Welcome to this week's podcast from Free Chapel in Orange County. We hope that you enjoy this encouraging message. For more information on our church family, visit freechapel.org forward slash OC. I'm reading this morning for just a few moments from the book of Mark chapter 10, verse 43, and it shall not be so among you. And he's in reference to how big shots act because he just mentioned how the authorities kind of lord themselves over the people. But he says in verse 43, let it not be so among you. But whoever desires to become great among you shall be your servant. I'm preaching this morning a different message. For lack of a better title, this is the only one I could come up with. You're not crazy. Turn to somebody and say, I'm not crazy. I know you. I know you were wondering, but I'm not crazy. I'm not. I'm not. Jesus defines what true greatness is when he said, if you want to be great, you must be a servant. It's impossible to achieve greatness in the kingdom of God and live for yourself. You must serve other people. God measures greatness in terms of service, not status. He measures greatness not in how many people serve you, but how many people you serve. The total opposite of our culture, which is if you've got lots of people doing lots of things for you, you must be great. Wow. But Jesus said, greatness is not how many are serving you, but how many people you're serving and you're helping. Jesus' disciples were in an argument in the text. I've interrupted it and gave, cut to the chase, but they were in an argument for the top spot. Who will be greatest in your kingdom? It ought to be me. No, it ought to be me. No, you're no good. I'm much better than you are. It ought to be me. And Jesus interrupted them all and said, if you want to be great, you must be a servant. To be like Jesus is to be a servant because he called himself a servant. You have to know what your gift is and you have to deploy the gift to serve the Lord. Every one of you have in your DNA have in your very being a gift that God can use for His kingdom to serve other people. And in doing so, your gift will make other people better. And in doing so, you're doing it unto Jesus. The only way to serve God is by serving those that He loves. If you don't serve those that He loves, you don't serve God. Real servants make themselves available. Real servants jump in when called on. Real servants do not wait to be begged. Galatians chapter 6 and verse 10 said, whenever we have the opportunity, we have to do something. When it's good, especially for the family of believers, we should do it. Jesus Wash people's feet. Jesus held children. Jesus, he was in the nursery ministry. 
Jesus fixed breakfast for the disciples. The greatest God-man, God-in-skin-on-earth is fixing breakfast. He didn't do it one time, but you read, and, and his favorite breakfast meal was fish and bread. That was, he just, he whipped it up. He threw peppers and onions and jalapenos in it. And it was amazing. And he fixed it over. Can you see the beautiful ministry of Jesus? Not just miracles, signs and wonders before multitudes, but he fixed breakfast for the disciples. He, 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 he touched and served lepers. Nothing was beneath him. Nothing was too, too low for him. Real servants, secondly, are faithful. They don't leave a job half done. They don't quit until it's done, until it's finished. They're faithful. Jesus understood this principle because he taught in Matthew 25 in the parable of the talents, that if you don't use the gift that you have, it should be taken from you. Jesus said there was a man who had one talent and he would not do anything to help and serve. And Jesus, being the non-socialist that Jesus was, said, if you don't use what you've got, I'll take it from you, not give you more. I'll take it from you and I'll give it to the man who has 10 talents who will work with what he's got to make something out of nothing. Jesus was not a socialist. This generation needs to hear this. Jesus said, if you don't use what you've got and you're too lazy to do something with the talent that you've got, I'm not going to reward you by giving you a check. I just lost you, but I'm going to preach the truth. Jesus, sweet Jesus said, take that talent away from them and give it to the guy who took the 10. He didn't have 30 like the other guy. He took 10 and he turned it into more. Give it to him because he's productive and he's a worker. When you fail to use what you've been given, you'll lose it. Real servants keep a low profile because self-promotion and servanthood don't mix. Many people start out as a servant in the shadows, but end up celebrities. But Jesus never did that. Paul never did that. The greater they became, the more of a servant they became. They became, many people become addicted to the attention because the spotlight can blind you. And the hidden parts of the body are the most important parts of the body. I don't care how pretty your face is, if your heart and your kidneys and your lungs don't work, the parts that nobody sees, then it's, not going, it's a matter of time before your face gets withered up and goes away. And same is true in the body of Christ. It's the hidden parts of a church and a ministry that make it powerful and useful. They, they, they serve in the shadows, not in the spotlight. I'm in the spotlight. These, some of these are in the spotlight. The names of pastors are in the spotlight, but it's the people who make ministry happen in the unseen. They give, they, they pray, they serve, and they make ministry happen. You have to understand what Jesus said. He said, the Father who sees you in secret will reward you openly. 
there are people who are teaching in the special needs class this morning. Precious little children. And they'll never have a spotlight, but they're down there and they're loving maybe one or two children while a parent gets to sit up here the only time they get for themselves to sit in the presence of God and hear songs sung after a week like they had. And there's somebody down there taking care of those children. It doesn't sound great. It doesn't sound like some big deal. But in the eyes of God, that's about as big as it'll get. Somewhere there is someone cleaning an elder in a rest home who cannot clean themselves. This is greatness. Colossians said, throw yourself into the work of the master. Confident that nothing you do for him is a waste of time or effort. Sometimes when you really work for the Lord and you give yourself to the kingdom and I see these beautiful young people in the Bible college and giving themselves, giving the prime years of their life to the kingdom. I see this amazing staff and they're so young. This stage filled with beautiful young people and the enemy will tell you you're crazy. You're missing out on so much. The world's having such a party without you. When the truth is, listen to what the text said, throw yourself into the work of the master, confident that nothing you do for him is a waste of time or effort. I did that. I did that when I was a teenager. I did that when I was 15 years old and God saved me and filled me with the Holy Spirit. I threw myself in the ministry. I, I never looked back. I put my hand to the plow and I have never turned back and I'll never turn back. I'm not crazy for serving the Lord all the days of my life. Somebody give him a praise and say amen. The Apostle Paul, man, I don't know what's going on. Why am I crying? It's the presence of the Lord. Lift your hands and worship him and say, I'm not crazy for being in a packed church on Sunday morning. I don't care what anybody thinks. I'm not crazy. I choose this. I don't have a chain either. I can go if I want to go. I can go do any crazy thing. I, I choose as, as for me and my house. We will serve the Lord. Everybody take a praise break, even in the overflow. And then I'll keep going. Oh, you're worthy of it all, Lord. Yes, you are. Man, that scripture messed me up. Hallelujah. Philippians 2 and verse 25 Paul said, Ephroditus, my fellow worker, ministered to my need. Paul commended this no name, Ephroditus. And he noticed the title he gave him, my fellow worker. You know, the apostle Paul was so conscious about being a servant that he refused to take an offering for the first few years, he was building a church in a particular city. The Bible said he worked as a tent maker, making people understand that what he was doing, he was doing as a volunteer. He was doing as a person who had a business, but he was showing the model of being a servant 
to the kingdom of God and to the king of kings. And he said, my fellow worker, because I worked as much as he did, my fellow worker ministered to my need. What was his need? Encouragement. The Bible is filled with people who needed encouragement. Moses needed encouragement and Jethro, his father-in-law, gave it to him. Paul needed it in prison and people jeopardized their own safety that they could go and they ministered to him materially and, and physically with food and clothing. The Bible said they brought him books. They brought him, he said, bring my coat before it gets winter in the sale. And, and they would bring him special needs that he had physically and spiritually. And when you understand that servanthood is throughout all of the scripture, when Jesus began inviting Peter, James, and John, and all the disciples to follow him, to help him spread the news of the kingdom, he was making a very strategic decision. He did not say, I'm going to build this mighty kingdom as a solo act. He could have. He had it all. He was the whole package. But he said, I'm going to use an army of volunteers who will deploy their particular gift in the kingdom of God. It will not be a place where people come and sit and consume, but it will be a place where people come and they, they get stirred up and they get here teaching and something in them clicks with a spirit of amazing gratitude that Jesus saved a wretch like me. I must give back. I must tell others. I must be a part of something that reaches others. Jesus could have built his ministry with fundraisers and market, marketers that caused him to have hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of employees in his worldwide organization. But he didn't do it that way. He said, if I'm going to advance the kingdom of God primarily, it will be done on the shoulders of spirit-filled volunteers. Acts chapter 2, the beginning of the church, it, it was the Holy Spirit was poured out and mostly unpaid workers went to work building the kingdom of God. In Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 1, the Paul, the apostle instructs pastors to mobilize every person in the church not to come and sit and soak not to hear another sermon or sit through another church service. But he charged the pastors with this main job description of a pastor. Train and equip and envision into the people a lifetime of volunteering and working for the kingdom of God. Paul felt so strongly about this volunteerism that he said, I myself am a servant of the Lord Jesus Christ. The idea, the idea of volunteerism is laced throughout the entire New Testament. When you understand how we do it, it's so backwards. We hire a pastor and we expect the pastor to do everything. That's not in the Bible. It's not there. The pastor has one job description to equip the saints. And when the saints are equipped 
And when they recognize what category their particular gift is in, they're supposed to deploy that spiritual gift and use it. If it's marketing, use it. If it's, uh, if it's administrative gifts, use it. If it's teaching gifts, use it. If it's musical gifts, use it. If it's financial gifts, then go out and work and work and bring your resources in and finance the kingdom of God. But every one of us have something. If, if it's greeting, if it's smiling, if it's... Uh, See, these people parking these cars outside are not crazy. They're going to have a bigger mansion than you have in heaven. You don't understand the poor guy. What's he doing out there doing? I tell you what he's doing. He's ministering unto the Lord. That's what he's doing. And Jesus sees that stuff. It's so important. The doctrine of servanthood. The apostle Paul said, I am a servant of Jesus Christ. We go to church like we're shopping. Thrill me. Bless me. We see ourselves as the consumers. I like the children's ministry. I don't like the music. I like the people in the lobby. They were friendly. I don't like the bathrooms. I do like this. I don't like that. And we make our decision. The apostle Paul said, you're crazy. The apostle Paul said, I am a servant when I go to church reporting for duty. Give me the heavy end of the log. I'm ready to go to work. I'm ready to roll up my sleeves. And if this church is lacking in some area, instead of going and trying to find it somewhere else, I think I'll just get in there and build it myself and show them how to do it. Wow. What kind of church would that be? Again and again and again. We need to say thank you to our volunteers. You responded to teaching. The Holy Spirit himself spoke to you and said, get involved. And you didn't play it off. And they're all over this building. They are, they are an endangered species. There's one standing against that pillow over there, right there. That's Bill. Bill works for no bill. Amen. He, he never turns in a bill. Bill, Bill has been an usher at Free Chapel for at least 12 years. Would you give him a hand? And he's, he's not crazy. He's not crazy. And greeters are not, you know, they got up this morning and somebody's wife turned to somebody's husband and said, I don't feel like going and opening that dumb door and smiling. I cooked a turkey and dressing and all the fixings. I'm tired. But somebody has to do it and gets to do it. And if you give a cup of water in my name, a bottle of water and a smile, he said, you're building the kingdom because when we give the altar call, it didn't start in here. It started out in the parking lot when the guy was smiling. It started when the people said, let me take your child and show you what class they go into. It started in all when the sound man was getting sound prepared at 630 this morning and the volunteers were filling this campus and they were holding hands and praying in all the departments. God, give us souls today. God, help us. All of that was going on before we ever get up here and preach. And everybody says, wow, look at the altar. Really, the work was done. <laughs> we just had to lift Jesus and he would do the drawing. 
Volunteers that understand their spiritual gift are powerful. There's an enormous amount of work that it takes to do what we do. You don't just show up. It's the duty of every pastor to tell the people and teach the people about spiritual gifts. As a matter of fact, Hebrews chapter 13 and verse 17 said that the leader of the local church will stand before God and give an account of, the, of, the, of how they led their church. That scripture haunts me a little bit. That one day I will stand before the Lord and I will be judged as a leader and as a pastor, as all of these pastors will. How did we lead the people? Did we equip them? Did we deploy their spiritual gifts? Did they do more than consume? Did they help spread the gospel of Jesus Christ? This is a serious thing. The individual is going to give an account. Not only pastors, but you as an individual. Every one of you will stand not before the white throne judgment, which is the judgment that separates sinners from lost people, and they're sentenced into eternity without God, into hell and all of that. But there is the judgment of the believers, where every believer will stand before God, and you will give an account for the spiritual gift that you have. You may not even know it, but you have something about you that God can use. And it, you discover that gift and you deploy that gift for the glory of God. Watch out. Miracles start happening. God has this crazy idea that instead of experts and professionals in every department of the church, that it would be amazing if we discovered who the leaders are and leaders lead leaders in the church and teachers ought to be the teachers. Hmm. And shepherds, that those with a soft heart, they ought to be the shepherds. They ought to be the ones in their the grave site. They ought to be the ones reaching out, checking up on people. And administrators ought to be the administrator of the church and the business people that understand how to take what the church has and multiply it. And they can build a massive corporation, then build the church with your gift too and helps the ministry. All of these are spiritual gifts. Helps. We think spiritual gifts are miracles and signs and wonders and, 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 and uh, uh, prophecy and tongues. No, these are listed as gifts. The ministry of helps. People who help. People who do, they just jump in and do it. Do you know one of the ministries that Bible actually names gifts as a gift? Giving. Giving. Financial givers. If you know without a doubt that you're anointed to make money, I really don't want you here volunteering. I want you to go out and work. That's your calling. That's your anointing. And come in here Sunday with another grin on your face saying, hallelujah, I get to deploy my gift. I make money. If I touch it, it turns to gold. But it's not me. It's God that gives me power to get wealth according to Deut Deuteronomy 8.18 that he might establish his covenant in all the earth. And I get to be involved with my gift. And my gift is not more important than the parking lot. My gift, if I'm giving a million dollars this morning, it takes all of us doing it together. But oh, how powerful that is. And we, we're bad in the church about put, you know, putting little guilt trips on people if they don't have the gift to serve or they don't have the gift. It would, 
if you're doing what you do that's in your DNA and so natural for you and you're connecting it to the kingdom of God, that's, that's what you'll be judged by. We need to make sure our volunteers feel desperately needed and appreciated. Give me a big amen on that. You're not crazy. We have people in this church, and I was talking with Bill after the first service. Stand up, Bill. Wave your hand at everybody. You can't miss him. He's 19 feet tall. Wait, wave at him. But, but, but the thing about Bill is when we first started coming out here and we had limited staff, we only had one, one full-time pastor, and we literally brought the music pastor out with us every Sunday. And, and it, boy, it was something. And this room filled up. Then we went to two services and we hired a couple more pastors, but we were still on a very shoestring budget and, and, and the room filled up again. And then we went to Sunday night services and that meant we needed more ushers and more greeters and more children's workers and more nursery workers and more ministers. Somebody's down there changing diapers, a dirty diaper, and we, oh, bless their heart. No, you don't understand. That's ministry. Scoop, 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 scoop. That's ministry. God sees that stuff. At one time, we were doing four services a Sunday. Four. Four. And he said when we would pull off the property, he ushered in every one of them. He said when we would pull off, his wife, his wife is down there right now in kid pack. His special needs son comes in every Sunday morning and cleans the pool out front. The baptism tank under the cross is clean, isn't it? You want to know why? Because his special needs kid goes out and cleans it. Let's hear it. Let's hear it for the endangered species called volunteers. They deserve a bigger hand clap than any TV preacher who can walk in behind a pulpit. The church would not exist without that special species. I'm almost done. You know... When you take the time to serve in youth ministry, invest in a kid, mentor a kid, something magical and powerful in any of these ministries, when you join them, whether it's the, you come and worship in one service and serve in another service, when you start doing stuff like that, the, the, the benefit of that, the sweetest revenge of volunteering and getting involved instead of just consuming is this, fellowship. The, the sweetest revenge of being involved in a ministry, secretly what people are saying when they join those type ministries is, I don't want to be alone. I don't want to just come to church. I don't want to sit alone. I don't want to do life alone. I want to meet some people who believe like I believe and love like I love and care like I care. 
and I want to join myself with them. And the sweetest revenge of volunteering and getting involved as a couple is you will meet other Christian couples who are going through the exact... And here's the thing, after some big conference or some big event, when you get alone in a small group or somewhere and somebody says, how are you doing? How are you doing? What can I help you pray about? What are you, wouldn't it be something if you knew somebody cared that much about you this week? You know how that happens? You just jump in and get involved. If you want, if you, this Chris, this little group up here and many of them volunteers that sings and, and, and plays all week long, they're not just doing that and, and getting nothing out of it. They're family. They pray together. They stand together. They check up on each other. And when you get involved in a church like this, that is what begins to happen to you. And then your children get connected. And then families get connected. And homes get connected. This is God's brilliant plan. I really want to remind you in closing that, that, that this stuff matters for all eternity. Some of you, your gift is earning resources. I, I, I close with this story. I was reading a book of, of a man who pastored an amazing church in, in, in the Chicago area at one time. He no longer pastors. And in that book, he tells the story that I'm going to give to you right quick. He said one day, he said that as he was building church after church and great organization, worldwide organization that's touched the planet. He said there was one man in his church who kept giving like crazy. Giving like crazy. He, he recognized his spiritual gift was giving financially. And the man made money like you wouldn't believe. And he said one day he called him and said, Pastor, can I have lunch with you? And he said, sure. And he said, I thought to myself, he's so rich, he'll pay for it. Why not? And so he went out to eat with this very, very wealthy man who had given literally millions, according to his words, millions and millions to help him do everything he had done around the world. Listen to this. And he said, we chit-chatted and ate and said, finally, I recognized something was not quite right with him and I asked him so why are we here today and he named the guy's name and he said these words and this is where I got my little sermon title from he said I need somebody to tell me pastor I'm not crazy he said my accountant thinks I'm crazy my attorneys and lawyers who help me manage my vast fortune, they think I'm crazy. He said, all my friends on the golf course, they think I'm crazy. But he said, I made a decision that my gift was making money and I could have retired many times over. And the only reason I'm still working is because I love to give. But would you confirm to me I'm not crazy because a lot of my family thinks I'm crazy. He said it. He said, my accountant, every time we meet at the end of the year and they see my contribution 
to this church, they scratch their head and they say, are you crazy? You're not even getting any tax deduction off of that amount anymore. You've far exceeded it. And he said, I just needed to hear somebody tell me I'm not crazy. And I want to say to all of us who have given ourselves to ministry, and all of you amazing people in God's house on a Sunday morning, and you get up and you come, we are not crazy. To those of us who give our tithes and our offerings and have done it, I, I have, and I'm not bragging, but since I worked at Canton Station, which is a Chinese restaurant in Rocky Mountain, North Carolina, I bust tables and I got my paycheck, a few hundred dollars, and I wrote my tithe check and I took it to the house of the Lord. I'm not crazy. I'm not crazy. I'm not crazy. Turn to somebody and say, you're not crazy for giving all you've got to Jesus. You're not crazy. If you follow me, Jesus said, if you serve others, you're not crazy. If you realize that we have just a small window of time and what we do for Christ and God's purpose is all that will matter. You're not crazy. If you ever pull off this property and you feel worn out and tired because you spent hours helping and giving and making something happen that changed a life for all eternity, you're not crazy. To all of the altar teams and greeters and to all of the car parkers and to all of the children's ministry and to all of the camera people and to all of the sound people and music people. We're not crazy. Ushers, we're not crazy. We're not crazy. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast. To watch our latest message, be sure to subscribe to our YouTube channel. To stay connected, follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Free Chapel OC.